It's time to pour a cup of tea and fall down a rabbit hole with us. You're listening to Six Impossible Things Before Breakfast with Jackie and Elsie. I think I hit it. Okay. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Elsie. This is Six Impossible Things Before Breakfast, our campfire episode two. Which is just kind of like our little small stories or just ones that we want to elaborate on further. Yeah, like legends and scary stories. Things Um, that don't need hard We're actually recording in the middle of the day, and both of my children are up, so that might be a bad thing. (laughs) But we'll we'll try it out. Um, Do you want to go first? Because I think you have one from an email. I do. Okay. Okay. So I got this story from our friend LT. She sent this to me and I thought it was pretty interesting and it kind of like set the theme for the rest of my stories. (laughs) So uh, this is Jonathan Buck's tomb. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. So this is kind of short, but it's kind of a cool story. Um, This is about a guy named Colonel Jonathan Buck. Um, He was born in Massachusetts in 1719 And he grew up hearing a lot of stories about the Salem witch trials. And, you know, his family was, like, super deeply religious. And so he, like, hated witches his whole life. So that's the first thing you need to know about him. Mm -hmm. Um, So in 1764, he bought some land in Maine and moved his family up there. And he founded the town that's now Bucksport. Um, he was kind of a big deal in the town, obviously, since he founded it, but he was also like a war hero and he went on to do like a lot of important jobs in this town and he ended up becoming the justice, justice of peace there. And during that time, even though this was like into, well into the 17, like the late 1700s, a woman was brought forth and she had been accused of witchcraft by some people in the town, which it's like, you know, it probably fucking wasn't. Like, right. obviously. Like, I don't know, you know, how it was back then. Um, and, you know, this dude hates witches. So, of course, you know, she's proclaiming that she's innocent. Which she probably was. She probably owned land or something. I know. That's what I was saying. Or just didn't give a fuck about, like, their dumb rules. Right, you know? right. She was probably just, like, living her life and they couldn't stand that. Right. So, of course, you know, she says she's innocent and he's like, no, fuck you, and burns her at the stake. Mm. And as she's being burned, she vows to come back from the dead and dance on his grave. That's actually unusual in the United States because we usually hung our witches. I know. That's pretty crazy. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, I just had to mention that. It was, I thought the same thing, but I didn't even think to add that into my story. So, I mean, that's a, it's a good point. So, Jonathan Buck goes on and lives his life for a little while and he died in 1795. Um, his family bought this big, nice 15 foot like one of those ones that's like basically a big spear Mm -hmm. you know like really tall fancy marker for his grave and so they get this marker and everything's cool for a little bit and then all of a sudden 
the shape of a woman's leg pops up on the stone, like right under the name Buck. Um, and, yeah, it's like you can Google pictures of it. Um, it's like a black mark and you can clearly see like it comes down and it looks kind of like a little witch's foot, to be honest with you. That's weird. I'll try to find it and put it on our Facebook page. Yeah, it's really cool. So the family like sanded it, cleaned it. It looked good. They were like, okay, well, it popped back up. And so they sanded it and cleaned it. And it looked good, and then they, you know, it popped back up. And this happened, like, multiple times, like, to no avail. Like, it would pop back up every single time. And so finally they were like, fuck this. And so they replaced the whole marker, and it comes back. What? Yeah. That's so crazy. I love stuff like this. You can actually go to this in Maine. Like, you can go to the Bucksport Cemetery and see this. And, like, some people say, like, you know, granite can't – that can happen to granite, blah, 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 but it's pretty fucking weird that it happened twice in a row. You know what I mean? Like – Right, two different markers. One, right, two completely different markers in the same exact shape. You know what I'm saying? It's weird. That is really weird. So, that is the story of Jonathan Buck's tomb from LT, which I really liked. That's a really fun story. Um, I know. I liked that one. Way to go, LT. Um and we're having a little problems with our sounds, so we apologize if there's some, like, you know, background noise, feedback and stuff. But, okay. So, um, the the first one I'm going to do, I'm only going to do two because my second one's long. But um, I promised I would do The Whistler. And this is um, actually from Ask Reddit, you know, how they do, like, anyway, yeah. this one is, what is the creepiest thing that has ever actually happened to you? And if you don't look at these on Reddit, they're like, that's the best place to go to get creeped out. Like, they have the best ones. So this was submitted by user BingBong1234. (laughs) And I I love that name. So it says, I've been waiting a long – I'm just going to read it because I feel like you need to hear this in the person's voice. Okay. I've been waiting a long time to tell Reddit the full story of The Whistler. This story requires many details, but it's – uh, unexplainable, creepy, and 100% true. I also have video evidence, and I will post the video. It says, when I was about eight years old, I was taking my dog for a walk through the neighborhood with my mom. It was about 11 p.m. We lived next to a swamp woods area on the edge of our neighborhood in Lansing, Michigan. I remember it being very silent and slightly windy. From down in the swamp, we heard somebody whistling at us. It sounded sort of like a bird. But each whistle was different enough where the lack of consistency made it human-like. The whistle sounded higher than lower. I really can't describe it. My mom had a concerned, slightly terrified look on her face and grabbed my hand and said that we should go inside quickly. I didn't understand because I was too young, but seeing my mom freak out made me forget, freak out too. After a while, though, I kind of forgot about it. Two years later, I was taking my dog out again late at night. There's a large bush that could easily obscure a person behind it just next to the front door. As I was finishing the walk, the whistling noise started again. Same pitches, same inconsistent inconsistent human-like tones. As, As soon as I heard it, a chill went down my spine as I remembered exactly the feeling of seeing my mom, terrified, looking down into the swamp at something I couldn't see. Maybe she couldn't either. I ran inside as fast as possible. Years went by, and I thought about it less and less. I told only a handful of people, and eventually it slipped from my mind. 
Fast forward to last summer. I'm 24, started dating my girl, Sarah. We moved out to South Dakota for work. For Independence Day, we decided to go to Pierre, South Dakota, and watch the fireworks along the bank of the Missouri River. There was a free camping spot behind a hospital where you could pitch your tent, hang out, and see the fireworks up on the river. We were near the end of the campground, and there were very few people around us. As it was getting dark, the fireworks began. They were pretty far away, so the illumination they brought was very little. Thus, we had to sit right at the edge of the river to be able to see them. A huge thunderhead was moving in, and a storm was imminent, so the air seemed electric and the wind was picking up. The atmosphere was eerie, to say the least. The police boats herded all the other boats off the river and had left our area to do that elsewhere. Most of the other campers walked up the river to have a better view of the fireworks, but Sarah and I stayed back and were drinking PBR Tallboys and kicking it. Suddenly, <laughs> that sounds really weird coming from me because it's something I would never say. I know. <laughs> we were kicking it. Suddenly, we heard the sound of a paddle methodically dipping into the water. We saw a figure steering a canoe about 20 miles it says 20M offshore. Surely it can be 20 miles offshore. Meters? Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. Sarah decided to go get more beers from the car, leaving me alone to stare at this mystery person. And then, of course, they whistled at me. My entire body was frozen and covered in goosebumps. It was the exact same oh, whistler from my childhood more than a decade earlier. I looked at the figure, but it was much too dark to discern who it could be. They were wearing a hat. When they were perpendicular to the shore from me, they stopped paddling, turned the canoe to face directly at me, and whistled right at me. I was so frightened, I stood up and shouted at them, Who are you? They didn't say anything, just whistled a couple more times, turned the canoe 180 degrees, and paddled out of sight. I'm a videographer. Yeah. Is that so weird? And the whistle's like... Like, I'm trying to do it, but... It's like a really weird, like over and over again. I'm a videographer, so I had my camera by my side and was taking video of the fireworks. As the canoe was almost out of sight, I grabbed my camera and got a shot of them whistling as they went away. When Sarah came back from getting beers, she was very confused as to why I was freaked out. When I explained, she was freaked out of it, too. I was convinced we would both be murdered that night. That sounds like a (laughs) one of us. How did this whistling person follow me after 14 years all the way to South Dakota? Was it a coincidence? Why was it the same whistling noise? Who was that person and where did they go? So many questions still unanswered. To this day, I'm more afraid of being outside in the dark where I might might hear that whistling again. I'm open to any explanations. And now there are some people that have said it's a certain uh, almost said ghost a certain bird but <laughs> for the purpose of this podcast i'm going to say it's weird and it's inexplicable <laughs> it, it is weird though and like, if he saw a person turn to him and make that sound like that right. that doesn't really gel she said he says okay so here's the the part about the video it says you can hear my girlfriend asking, are you whistling? Is that you? Or he asked his girlfriend, are you whistling? Is that you? And she said no. But I wasn't sure, so I told her to stop it because I was getting scared. So oh. I, I will post the video. But that that that's story has always creeped me out. Because that's like, because some of those are so outlandish. I mean, they're still, they're still scary, yes. but they're so outlandish. But that one's like really creepy. Well, and especially now after I was like that whistling noise in the woods. I know that's what made me think of it, and I was like, I have to do that one. I knew you wanted to hear it. 
Yes, that was really good. I'm, I'm like, glad. <laughs> but it's creepy. <laughs> it's so creepy. But that's my shorter one. So you go ahead and then I'll, I'll do my longer one. Okay. This one is um, actually from the UK. Um, I think probably a lot of people know this. So I'm, I'm doing Black Anna, also called Black Anna, Black Annie, Black Agnes. Like there are variations of the name. I don't know if I know um, this. Oh, it's it's really short, but it's pretty. It's a it's like a legend, a local legend. Oh, okay. So in Dane Hills, near I think it's pronounced Lester, Molester. Um, there, Lester. Oh, Lester. Your it's phone like, like cut out right then, and it sounded like you said oh, Molester. Molester. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but that's like an awful name for the place. Yeah, it's not a town I want to go to. No, probably not. So in Leicester, um, there is this big cave, and they call it Black Annis's Bower. Um, the cave was said to be about four to five feet wide and five to eight feet long. Um, and they said it was dug by Black Annis, who was like a blue-faced hag with long, sharp nails that she used to dig the cave with. Oh, that's horrifying. And yeah, you'll have to look up pictures of her. She's real ugly. And she had a taste for uh, human flesh, don't we all? Uh, of course. <laughs> so there was, like, a large oak tree, like, right outside the mouth of this cave, and she would hide behind it while waiting to pounce on her unsuspecting victims. She would venture out at night looking for children. Um, it's said that she flays them and hangs their skin in trees to tan them and then wears them for skirts, uh, hangs them off her belt, you know. No, I just saw a picture of her that's terrifying. Okay. Yeah, really, right? She's ugly. Like, yeah. it's pretty scary. So classic, the classic witch. Yes, very classic. Yeah. So... It's said that um, the cottages in Leicester were purposely built with small windows because she was known to snatch babies and kids. Like, they wanted to make, make the windows small enough that, so that she could only fit one arm inside because apparently she had really long arms. Um, so she would wail in the nighttime, and it could be heard for five miles. And she would grind her teeth, and the grinding was so loud that people would hear it and know to, like, bolt their doors, cover up their windows, stay away from the windows. Like, they hung um, certain herbs in their windows to keep her away, and um, I, there was – it. From this tra from this legend grew, like, a tradition where they would take – she was said to have, like – take a, on the form of a cat sometimes. Um, so they would drag a dead black cat in front of the mouth of the cave and, like, let dogs chase it. And it became, like, a tradition in this town to, like, <laughs> celebrate her dying or something. Like, it was – it's pretty crazy. That's super um, – I'm sure they've got PETA on them. Yeah, she. I don't know if they still do it. I think Surely it, not. I think they call it. It like happens around Easter, I think, and 
um, they called it Bloody Monday or something like that. It was like, I don't know. Yeah, and she's kind of like a, like a boogeyman, I guess, essentially. You know what I mean? Right, like right. Like, children are told, like, oh, don't go out doing what you're not supposed to, or Black Annie will get you. It's called Black Monday. Oh. I just saw that. Black Monday. I knew it was something weird. Weird. So that's Black Annis. That's a good one. I think that might be, it's like, just my quick image search, it almost looks like that's where we get our Halloween our witch. witch. Yeah, our, yeah. Yeah, Front. she's really, like, big nose, blue face, scary scraggly hair, nasty long fingernails. Yeah. Warty. Some of them say that she had iron claws, so I don't, that's kind of like a variation of legend, too, so, I mean, either way, super creepy, super ugly. Creepy. Definitely don't want to run into her. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. Okay, so I kind of took on a big undertaking for a campfire episode, and I probably will never do this again, and I shouldn't have done it this time, (laughs) but I am doing Mothman. I love Mothman. Okay, so, and actually, I mean, like, the sightings of Mothman are very condensed, so it's not like a lot, it's not like a lot of, you know, it's not like something that's happened for a hundred years, so, um, it begins... In November 12th of 1966, in Clinton, 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 I'm probably saying that wrong, <laughs> West Virginia, um, five men were digging a grave, and it was like evening time, and from the trees, they see a brown human being take flight. They said oh. it did not resemble a bird, but it was a winged man. So, cut to a few days later, these two couples are out driving. It's November 15th, and it said two married couples. This is kind of, this is just funny to me, but, like, the place that they're going out to is, like, a lover's lane type of place, and I'm like, (laughs) why are two married couples going out to this lover's lane? But They're trying to keep it spicy. No judgment. So, they're (laughs) driving past a TNT plant near Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and they see what appears to be, quote-unquote, shaped like a man, but bigger, maybe six or seven feet tall, and it had big wings folded against its back. So as they're driving, they, they kind of stop, you know, and look at it, and the creature starts to move towards them, so they freak out and they speed off. Um, in just a few minutes, they look out the back window, and they see the creature near the road, it spreads its massive wings and starts flying at them. Oh, okay. So they, you know, take off like a shot down this road. They're going 100 miles per hour, and this creature is keeping up with them. Um, so they finally lose it. They go back into town. Um, another group of four claimed to see the Mothman three times that same night. So it's like multiple sightings. Right. Multiple and that's a little people. hard to, like, debunk. You know what I mean? Like, Right, like four people are seeing it at the same time, and then four people are seeing it somewhere else at the same time. Yeah, so I mean, it's the same thing. They're seeing the same thing. So that night, uh, Newell Partridge, who was a contractor who lived in Salem, about 90 miles away, he's relaxing after a long day in front of the TV. You know, he's just gotten home. And about 10.30 at night, his TV starts to go crazy, and these strange patterns start to come up. 
and he hears noises outside and he says it's like kind of a um a whining sound like it sounds like a generator is winding up so his dog bandit is outside and he begins to howl from the front porch so newell goes outside and he's surprised to see bandit he's like growling at the hay barn um and he turns on his flashlight and he catches the reflection of two red eyes glowing in the dark so bandit takes off towards the eyes and you know the newell's just sitting there like you know hollering at the dog the dog the dog won't come to him um so he goes inside and he gets his gun but he's too scared to go back outside and he falls asleep with his gun beside his bed bandit never comes home i'll just get that out of the way and when he reads about the sightings in the paper from the couples he's horrified to find out that they reported when they saw the creature they saw a large dead dog next to it and when they came back by the dog's body was gone so like the creature had taken it um so on the next day november 16th deputy halstead comes out and he holds a press conference and this is kind of unusual to me but he knew the couples well and he believed their story and he holds a press conference about it so this is when the press coins the name mothman and they start calling it mothman uh, the TNT factory was the home base for Mothman, and it was this massive remote area. It had been used during World War II, um, and it has since been abandoned. And there's hundreds of acres of land and large, like, dome-like buildings, and they're connected by these tunnels underground That's in the middle of – Yeah, in the middle of nowhere. Like, it's just – because, I mean, it's a TNT factory. Of course they're going to have it – out in the middle of nowhere Um, it's in the middle of mcclintic wildlife station which is a wooded hilly uh, much of its inaccessible wildlife preserve it's used for hunting and fishing and making out (laughs) that's where all the kids go to make out Um, and married couples and married couples who are looking to spice things up in the bedroom i guess maybe there's (laughs) i'm not i'm not going to um uh speculate but who knows what they were doing so um the thomas family lived out in the middle of nowhere around this area and on november 16th their friends the bennett's were driving near the house and they saw a funny red light near the tnt factory so miss bennett she said um it wasn't an airplane but we couldn't figure out what it was so she drives on to the thomas house and she gets the baby out of the car, and suddenly this massive figure stirs on the ground next to her car. Nope. She said, it seemed as though it had been lying down. It rose up slowly from the ground, a big gray thing, bigger than a man with glowing eyes. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help but laugh at this part. Miss <laughs> Benny was so scared, or Miss Bennett was so scared, she dropped her baby. <laughs> <laughs> God bless her. So uh, she, you know, she snatches the baby up quickly, obviously, and she runs into the house where they hide in fear as this creature stalks the porch. Oh, and it's good. Looking in the windows. Nope. <laughs> so they call the cops. By the time the cops arrive, it's gone. Miss um, Benny, I keep wanting to say Miss Benny because I've been reading Ramona to Lily and the teacher, and it's Miss Benny. I keep but, thinking Benny and the Jets. <laughs> yeah, this is Miss Bennett. 
um, she had to seek professional help for her trauma. She oh. said that she believed that the Mothman stalked her house as well. Like, this is something that went on for her, you know, for quite some time after this encounter. So, so God bless her. She had, like, anxiety. I mean, of course she would. Yeah. Just dropping your baby out of fright would be <laughs> enough to give you trauma. Um, so for a year, these sightings are happening. People are seeing UFOs even. They're like everybody's report, even reporting men in black in the area. Ooh. So, of course, that means researchers, investigators flock to this area. You know, like researchers, mm-hmm. paranormal researchers, all these people. Um, John Keane is kind of maybe the lead authority in Mothman. He's kind of a controversial figure because he, he's got some kind of wackadoo ideas, too. But he's <laughs> he's very um, he's written books about it. Uh, he wrote that 100 people reported sightings between November 1966 and November 1967. So that's just in a year, 100 people. Um, the reports that he collected described Mothman as follows. Between five and seven feet tall, wider than a man, shuffling on human-like legs, eyes near the shoulders. Ooh. Yeah. Like, it looks like, I mean, it doesn't have, like, a head like a man. No, it's definitely, like, I've seen him before. He's yeah, like it's like a, a moth, yeah, on legs. Uh, bat-like wings that glide, not flap. Shoot stra- he shoots straight up like a helicopter. He doesn't, like, you know, take off like a bird. Right. Um. He's got murky gray or brown skin that gives off a humming sound when he's flying. And the voice, I don't know if you can hear Frank. He's like shaking his head. That's my cat. Um, He sounds like a woman screaming, which is the most terrifying thing in the world. Seriously. Especially since like foxes and some coyotes sound like women screaming. (laughs) So it's like you hear that. You're like, is it it something normal or is it Mothman? Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I got a lot of this. I wanted to, to say this. I got a lot of this from prairieghost.com. It's an article by Troy Taylor. Um, I just wanted to give him some credit because he had a very extensive article. So um, he also reported, Keen also reported in his book that electrical issues all that year were happening. TVs and phones were going on the fritz. Cars would stall in the road near the TNT plant. Um, lights are reported in the skies and there's also some reports of almost like poltergeist activity. So like locked doors would open on their own. Uh, people would hear strange thumps in their house and inexplicable voices, things just weird. Like the whole year, there's just weird paranormal things happening. There was a family that lived out near the TNT factory and they actually moved because they were so bothered by all this stuff that was happening. Oh my God. Right. It, like it, it was very well documented. Um, Mary Heyer, she was a reporter from Athens, Ohio, who had came down and she was writing extensively on the sightings. And one night in January of 1967, she was working at the County courthouse and a strange man comes in. He was very short with strange eyes covered by thick glasses. He had like a long, straight, like a bowl cut. And he spoke in like a low, like a low, short voice. And he asked her for directions to Welsh, West Virginia. Welsh, West Virginia. It's hard for me to get out. Uh, she thought he had like a speech impediment, but she wasn't sure. Like his voice was just different. Like she couldn't really 
get it. And he scared her because he kept getting closer and closer to her. And he was just Ugh. like staring her down almost like he was like trying to hypnotize her. Um, so she got, you know, freaked out, of course, and she called the manager into her office and they talked to the strange man together. And like sometime during this talk, her phone rings and she notices the man picks up a pen and looks at it like he's never seen one before. And then she said, all of a sudden he starts laughing loudly and he takes the pen and he runs out of the office. <laughs> just like he's, you know, he had never seen one before. Like he just stole something crazy. Um, weeks later, she's walking down the street and she sees him. And when he notices her noticing him, he turns and he runs to this large black car, gets in it, and it drives away really fast. What the fuck? Uh, just like, just weird stuff happens all around this. So this is all kind of leading up to this big event, which I'm sure most of you know about it, which is the bridge collapse in 1967. Yeah. So by the time the bridge collapses, most of the sightings have ended. Um, but that night, you know, tragedy strikes around 5 p.m. The 700-foot bridge across the Ohio River from Point Pleasant, West Virginia to Ohio collapsed. Dozens of cars plunged into the icy cold river. 46 people died, and two of those 46 people were never found. And this I found really interesting. The 44 found were all buried in the town cemetery um, of Galapagos, Ohio, which was across the way. But they were all buried in the same cemetery, which I thought that was interesting because that doesn't normally happen. Yeah, that's very strange. Um, Later, during the week of Christmas, Mary Heyer is swamped at work. You know, they've had this bridge collapse. All this stuff's going on. So this another man comes in. And he didn't care anything about the bridge, which was, you know, huge news at the time because they're still, you know, reeling mm -hmm. from that. Um, he wanted to talk about all the UFO stuff with her. And she was busy. She's trying to get all of her stuff out. And she's like, here, you can have my files. You can just look at this. And he doesn't want the files. He only wants to speak to her. Um, That's so weird. She describes him as short, dark-skinned, black suit. Um, the same night, people who had reported lights described the exact same man going door to door, claiming to be a reporter from Cambridge, Ohio, but he like accidentally let on that he didn't know where Columbus was, even though like Columbus and Cambridge are like miles apart from each other. What? Yeah. Like, so I don't know if these are like the men in black that they're talking about. Or if this is just be, right? like UFO-y type people, or if they're trying to say they're, you know, if they're trying to say they're aliens or what, I don't know, but it's just weird. So John Keel, who is the author, he believes Point Pleasant is a window area, and it's a place for strange sightings and encounters. Um, others blame the legend of the Cornstalk curse that was placed on Point Pleasant in the 19, or in the 1770s, and I'm actually going to do the Cornstalk <laughs> I'm going to do the cornstalk curse next time because it's kind of something in of itself and I don't want to I didn't want to take any more of your time <laughs> so this is kind of ending on a cliffhanger but that was the basic legend of the mothman wow that is like and did you ever see okay the mothman prophecies the movie I did. I just, I think I saw bits and pieces of it, though. I don't really remember it. 
So basically, I, I can't remember if the guy's wife, she was in some type of car accident or maybe it was like a bridge collapse or something. But like something happened to her and like she gets this vision from like a moth-like person or something. Like she has this like premonition or something, I guess. Right. Richard Gere's in it, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. And, like, basically, they just start, like, people start, I think the wife was killed in a car accident, by the way. But, like, he ends up in Point Pleasant, where the Mothman sightings are, and he keeps, like, talking to people and they he like figures out in the movie that all the people who are having these visions of the mothman thing are omens for things that are going to happen like bad things yeah and that's kind of what they they think mothman is he like he's an omen yeah like he's his own omen like if you see the mothman something's gonna happen basically right and there are reports that they've seen him recently there are some like recent photos um but i don't think there's like anything has happened they just you know you know how people always just show photos of stuff that they've they've captured right it makes me think of have you ever seen jeepers creepers because that's what i always think of when i think of the mothman (laughs) i used to be so scared of that freaking movie and i'm sure it's like that's probably based on a completely different legend but i always think mothman when i think of jeepers creepers me too it's creepy but i'll get more into the cornstalk curse i'm gonna definitely hear about that because i don't think i know that yeah it's it's good that we're kind of doing this in the fall fall it's very (laughs) it's actually a native american curse that was supposedly put on there but anyway we'll get into it next time yeah i want to hear about that yeah okay so my last one is super duper like really short um I've never heard of, and I don't know, I, I don't speak Russian. I'll just say that. So <laughs> You don't? I, I actually don't. I'm shocked. I know. So this is um, kind of like mythology a little bit, I guess, is how I would describe it. But it's the Kikimora. I've heard of the Kikimora, but I don't really remember it. So it's I just like know the name. Slavic or whatever, like mythology. Uh-huh. Like it's. And there's, like, lots of different versions of it, and I'm going to kind of cover those things. But basically, um, the Kikimora is a house spirit, and she's kind of like a part of a whole, if you know what I mean. Like, um, usually she's seen in close contact with, or I mean, I guess she's contrasted with Domovoy, I think is how it's said, which literally translates to household lord and domovoy is like the protector of the house um like specifically for children and animals but i'm not really going to get into his background <clears throat> it's sort of like a yin and yang thing basically though he's the good kiki mora is considered the bad spirit oh, okay okay so um she usually lives behind the stove or in the cellar of the house she inhabits mm. um She's really hard to get rid of once she's in there. Um, like it's hard to get her to leave. And I kind of like connect deeply with her though, because 
apparently she just loves a clean house. And it's like, <laughs> if the house is clean, she's happy and she contributes with housework. She takes care of the chickens. She's really super helpful. But if the house is a mess, like a mess and there's no order, she gets pissed and she breaks dishes and shit and she screams and she makes noise at night so that you can't sleep. Um, this is like your spirit animal. <laughs> she literally is. Um, so, like, there are a lot of different, like, versions of the folklore. And, like, in Polish folklore, um, they believe they are the soul of, like, living people that have left the body during the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of, dis- it kind of, like, their word for it, it's in Czech, and I don't speak Czech, obviously. Sorry, my kid's knocking on the door and my dog's barking. Go ahead. but basically like their translation of it means night butterfly and it i don't think it's it's seen as more like a benevolent creature for in polish folklore um in croatian they call it just mora or mera which means nightmare um it's one of they they think it's a spirit um it takes the form of a beautiful woman and then visits men in their dreams, torturing them. And in in Serbia, it's like male, female. So there's like Mora and then there's like one they call like, I don't even know how to say this, Noknika, which means night creature. Um, in Romanian, they're known as Maroi. Um and it's common belief that they enter through a keyhole and that they'll, and this is still for like Croatian, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, they'll enter through a keyhole and sit on the chest of sleepers and try to strangle them. Oh, nice. Um, to repel them, kids are supposed to look at the window, turn their pillow and make the sign of the cross. And that's supposed to just like shoo them away. You just um, turn your pillow on the the good dream side, and it just goes away. Yep, and you make the sign of the cross, and then it's done. Oh my um, goodness! People in the night, like the early nineteenth century, would um, leave a broom upside down behind of a do- behind a door, um, and that was supposed to like keep them away. Um, and apparently, there are like in Russia, there are two different kinds of kikimoras. The one that comes from the forest is the one that's supposedly uh, married to Domovoy, which is the one I was telling you about before. Um, And then the other one comes from the swamp, and she's married in folklore to um, a guy named Leshy. And it's said that, you know, she can be identified by the wet footprints that she'll leave in your house. And... um, like if back in the day, if home builders wanted to like fuck with the people that were, you know, was buying a house or they didn't like that person, they would bring in a Kikimura into the house. Oh, my gosh. That's so wrong. Yeah. So it's just like the, it's these the Kikimura has been a legend for like a really freaking long time. Like it dates back like really super early folklore. So it's just kind of one of those old ones, but it's kind of a fun one. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Like so that she's one. just kind of like a bitchy lady who wants things in order <laughs> and likes to fucking sleep. 
She's just tired of your shit, man. She just wants you to pick up your fucking house. <laughs> Is it so much to ask? I mean, like, oh, and also I read that, I forgot to add this in, but she it, like, says, you know, she lives either in the cellars or behind stoves, and she'll make, like, my, m- mouse noises, I guess. Oh, to, like, no. Yeah. I don't want that at all. <sighs> I thought that one was kind of funny. I had never heard of it before. I like that one a lot. I've heard the name, but I don't remember the story. That's you. But I had never known the story. And, like, she's really ugly, like, in the pictures. Like, that they, that you could, she kind of, she's wearing, like, you know what a babushka is? Like, the grandmas? They wear those, like, handkerchiefs around their head. Yeah. She's dressed really ratty like that. Her face is kind of like a build wild animal face but it's kind of like a mix between like a pig and a duck and she's got long talons and her feet are like chicken feet that's so crazy i love that i like well and i think yeah and i think they they um you know you know about sleep paralysis right 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 they use kikimura to kind of explain sleep Sleep paralysis. paralysis. Well, that makes sense. So it's kind of interesting. I like that. I'm going to look more into that one. I really like that one. That one's cool. You'll have to, there's like a bunch of different versions of it, like depending on like which country's telling the story, but all of them are pretty funny and cool. All right. I'll look into it. That's funny. Yeah. You should. All right. Well, I guess that's our second campfire episode. Um, if you guys have anything you want us to read on a campfire episode, our email address is six things before breakfast pod at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. Yep. Suggestions, and, whatever. Yeah. Next week we will be back with a regular episode. Yes. So we will see you then. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.